You are listening to Think Funny with Aaron Donnelly, Nate Sadler, and Matt Donnelly. For show notes and to check out Aaron's books, please visit AaronDonnelly.com. And now, the show that only thinks it's funny, the Think Funny Podcast. It's Think Funny, and I'm Aaron Donnelly. I'm here with my co-host, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. And Matt Donnelly. Hello, how you doing? Okay, so this is a revamp of the Pickle Love Baloney file, as I discovered that the SEO on Pickle Love Baloney is not as high as previously anticipated. And uh, so we're going to try something new with the new title. What was anticipated, Aaron? <laughs> I didn't have like charts and graphs of uh, baloney search, <laughs> uh, search terms and stuff. People might yeah. stumble upon it by accident. They might. Speaking of that, uh, I have to tell one story. Um, when I was working at the school district, Aaron, I uh, was looking for a motorcycle helmet. And uh, I was like, oh, I, you know, I bet it's at Dick's Sporting Goods. So I typed in dicks.com, <laughs> <laughs> thinking that, uh, that that was the website. <laughs> It wasn't the website, and uh, it was like it was like a nuclear bomb went off in my computer. <laughs> like all these flashes of pictures, <laughs> and I and I uh, I had to get the IT guy, and I was like, man, I got a situation here. <laughs> I when we first uh, in probably late nine ninety nine, I was at work, and someone had sent a link, and it it was said naked wife, and it came from like one of the high ups in the company, and I was like. So I clicked on it, and then all it had, it popped up this little window of, like, this 1800s guy with a handlebar mustache, and he was, like, winking at me. <laughs> and it just kept running and running and running, and I was like, oh, and I tried to get out. And then all this big email went out to everyone, do not open this attachment. <laughs> so I did go tell my boss I opened the naked wife. But I also wanted to show you guys i did also develop the ability to play sound effects i think here we go <laughs> you guys hear that perfect yeah okay i got that one i got a bunch of them i got oh yeah this is my favorite if i can here we go sadler i'm gonna make your life a living hell Ooh, i like that one <laughs> which is of course mr oliver our basketball coach uh, talking to nate after the first uh, practice there uh, i think we'll probably stick to the <laughs> <laughs> i listened to a lot of farts to get that one fart picked up I went to a couple interesting concerts in the last couple of weeks I wanted to talk about just briefly. One of them was uh, a Valentine's Day night. Jenny does, she plays piano and stuff. So her whole piano group went to the, the symphony. And I don't like symphonies in general. I don't like the pretentiousness behind. I was thinking like, I, if I got one lesson through, I could probably do his job and fake it, I think. Because there were times where he was really swinging the stick and they weren't even hardly playing. And I felt like, I wonder if it seemed like he was faking it. I think it doesn't mean a damn thing, to be honest no, with you. I, I really don't. I mean, what do they really do? And then the other thing I really hate about symphony is the word pianist. Because they know that it's a ridiculous sounding word and they don't change. They, we are forced to say the word pianist and not laugh or else we're juvenile. Just the word pianist I have a real problem with. And so I went to that, and then like two days later, I went and saw Justin Timberlake in Portland. And uh, Is he bringing sexy back? Or is it already, is it already back? 
it was back and then it left again. Yeah. It's not the, the concert was good. I mean, it's Justin Timberlake. It's like the Super Bowl halftime show, basically the whole time. But the people there are like women, mid thirties to late forties. And they're, they're dressed up. First of all, they get super dolled up to go to this concert. And then when they they dance, there's this way that they have where they look down at themselves, this age group of women when they're dancing. Raise your arms in the air, look down at yourself, and bump your hips together with another woman. That is the standard dance in a Justin Timberlake crowd. Is it proper etiquette if you go up and bump hips? with one of them is that is that okay <laughs> is it called the timberlake <laughs> i don't know and then so the warm-up guy it was this black guy and he was a dj and uh, it was actually pretty good but his name was uh, uh dj fantastic steve s-t-e-v-e steve but it was like when i say dj you say steve <laughs> and the guy was like steve <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and steve don't seem to really jive with each other too well no steve's like the guy he runs maintenance uh, for the school district. You know, that's Steve. <laughs> DJ Fantastic Steve. He's reliable. You know Steve. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, uh, I thought I could make a tour, because he said this almost exclusively was make some noise. All you got to do in a crowd is say, make some noise, Portland, Oregon, or wherever you are. And you could, you could milk that for probably a nationwide tour. 45 minutes of each, of each spot could be make some noise and insert the town name. Did you guys happen to see a couple nights ago? Do you know, do you remember Ja Rule? Yeah. The rapper? Mm-hmm. Ja Rule. He yeah. performed at a Milwaukee Bucks game. I can't even describe it, but he was there on like 90s night to get the crowd pumped up and it was deathly quiet. He's like, let me hear you. And even no for a Timberwolves game. And he goes, uh, um, are you ready? And then nobody says a word and he goes, I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, all you gotta do is say, make some noise, stumble around stage and put your arm around like a saxophone player with like some big black square glasses and laugh next to him and then that's about that's a good half an hour and and point at their instrument and shake your head noddingly like yep uh-huh yep <laughs> i went to another concert because i got i usually for jenny's birthday i buy her a concert so last year this year is justin timberlake and last year it was uh john mayer similar crowds probably the same identical crowd but john mayer i love john, actually i'm a closet john mayer fan because oh. i really do like his music it's good it really is good but he's a he is the word like the word douche is jo- it's john mayer that comes to mind most often does he end it, does he have his own brand now <laughs> the john mayer douche <laughs> i i also think uh douchebag i i bet you with the me too movement i bet the word douchebag is becomes you can't say it in public because it implies that feminine hygiene is somehow derogatory. I I, I will bet money that in the next five years you can't say douchebag I, anymore. I don't think I've heard it lately. Um, yeah, I saw on Facebook somebody put uh, a friend of mine put douche canoe. No, that's <laughs> never heard that one. But I go, what do you, I go? What are you talking about? He goes, no, that's a thing. So I googled it. It's a, it's a thing. Do they have a kayak or just a canoe? Douche paddleboard. Douche standing paddleboard. Think funny. Think, think funny. Oh, this is my one of my favorite ones. Just play this randomly. Drag time. <laughs> Remember how Nate had this grand idea to uh, do a ragtime band and call it On the Rag? Yes. I don't steal it. It could <laughs> it still come true someday. And maybe Douche Canoe get open for them. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Yeah. 
Okay, so let's talk uh, sea monsters. Well, I was thinking, um, my, for my own vantage point, I, I kind of like the the sea monsters that are you know in the United States uh, yeah. or uh, the ones that are close by, like in Canada. It just seems like more exciting to me because I'll probably never make it to Loch Ness, but I could easily you know drive to one of these other lakes and try to stock right. it out. Did you guys study Ogopogo at all? Yes, I mean it. Um, what's interesting is, and the ones that I think have more credibility—not that I believe in it necessarily—but with Ogopogo, I mean it's it dates way back to the early natives that were living there, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, I think it lends. Whenever some natives get behind it, I think it lends it some credibility. So Ogopogo is in a Okanagan Lake in British Columbia, Canada. It's a very deep water lake, so I mean. I think that's something that lends it a little credibility to me. Is it- Yeah. In 1946, there was a sighting there that was witnessed by about 30 cars of people to all have claimed to see the same thing. And obviously, there's been tourists. It's, if you go there, it's all touristy and built up around it. And this would actually be a good idea to just create some fake monster if your town, like our town, uh, Brandon, Iowa, they got together and decided to, what can we do to vamp up? business in town and so they built Iowa Eastern Iowa's largest frying pan as their big idea. That's right. They didn't even go for the gusto and call it Iowa's biggest. <laughs> just know. Eastern Iowa. Yeah. Eastern Iowa's largest frying pan. The joke's on you guys because people flock from all around when they hear about it. I want to throw a big ostrich egg at it. And <laughs> when it's in the when it's like ninety degrees and see if it cooks. That'd be awesome. Think about sea monsters. I always think about the like the old maps that you used to see, yes. like, and you see the sea monsters, like, uh, you know, in the ocean, like grabbing a big ship or something, and and then there's mermaids. And if you study on mermaids, they were often. This is what I saw was that they're often manatees that yes. sailors sailors thought were women. <laughs> I, I think it's something they created to give themselves a pass from having sex with manatees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They would explain to their fellow sailors that uh, it was some really hot mermaid in a like a coconut bikini. She just left. You missed her. They grabbed some nerdy guy on the boat and was like, hey, man, you need to uh, write some stories uh, about these uh, mermaids, women. Just do it. Don't question. We need some lore built up to uh, defend our actions here. I also, I liked that when... Sea monsters, they often show up, they wash ashore and people, there's like always old photos of them, like from the early 1900s and stuff. The word for an item, like a carcass that's washed ashore is a globster. Like that's the actual word for it. And uh, ironically enough, shark carcasses, when they decompose, they decompose in a way that they look like um, plesiosaurs. And so that's been some, um, I was, I'm always kind of more interested in the debunking of this kind of stuff. And, uh, but that's one of the things that, you know, people think of. There's also other things like an oar fish. Have you guys heard of that? The oar fish, that's uh, one they find uh, in Japan a lot. Um, yeah. And they said like finding an oar fish washed up on the shores kind of portends like uh, something bad's going to happen like a tsunami or earthquake or because several have washed up lately in Japan. Uh, Speaking of washed up, did you hear about um, Peter uh, Frampton's last world tour? I did. I heard the commercial this morning. That's funny you mentioned it. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't know he was still touring. That's why it's funny because it's his last one. You can't make him go back on tour. Is it Frampton comes alive? Question mark. Frampton's still alive? Question mark. Frampton's still alive. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, another thing, have you guys seen Wells Catfish? No. Google Wells Catfish in Europe, especially for like Loch Ness and stuff. Uh, they they're these ma- they look photoshopped. They're so large they can get up to 16 feet long and weigh 660 pounds. These catfish and they can live for a long time. Speaking of living for a long time, another thing that people think might be the Loch Ness monster is a Greenland shark. Yes, I know what those are. Yeah, they're really large. They're one of the largest sharks, but they they grow super old. How would it get trapped in? There'd have to be a population big enough to sustain over time. Well, that's the thing. Like now, the problem with Loch Ness is it, it is super dark. It's got a lot of peat in it, so you can't really see very far uh, below the surface. It's very deep, but it's not very old geologically speaking. And so, anyone thinks that like that thinks that like a dinosaur got trapped in there or a series of them, it's not. The time frame is way off. Loch Ness is only ten thousand years old, dating to the last ice age. It was created by a glacier. So before that, it was frozen. There wasn't any liquid there, you know, water there. So there's no, and then obviously, you know, dinosaurs lived 30 million years ago. So it's obviously not that. But then if you look at the history of the Loch Ness Monster, it's interesting too. So there was always sort of lore and, and things like that around the lake, but there's all that kind of, there's things like that around all those lakes in Europe if you go back far enough. The real big year for the Loch Ness Monster started, I believe, in 1933. There were some sightings, and then they sent this guy out, a newspaper sent a guy out to check it out. His name was Marmaduke Weatherall. Which is a good name for a penis, Marmaduke Weatherall. Weather, so he had, uh, so he got sent out there by the Daily Mail to check it out. And what he did was he took a like an like an ashtray or an umbrella stand for a rhinoceros foot and made prints and sort of made a hoax out of it. He got busted doing that and got totally embarrassed by the press. And so he, as a revenge developed a scheme with his nephew and some other guys to, they put a submarine, a little tiny toy submarine out there. It wasn't tiny. It was probably like three feet long and built the Loch Ness monster looking thing and set it out there and took a picture. That is the famous picture that everyone knows. If you Google it, it's, it's the Loch Ness monster. That's the picture. That is, that is an absolute fake. And, and the guys have come out that, you know, that did that on their deathbed basically and made the confession. So I thought that was kind of interesting. In the same year, 1933, a circus came to town, and they allowed the elephants to bathe in the lock. Now, if you look at an elephant that's half submerged in water and it's next and it's sort of snout sticking out, it looks kind of like that picture. It looks like a Loch Ness monster that's as well. That's interesting. That's probably why it got perpetuated after that. Aaron Donnelly. The Loch Ness Monster I don't believe in the Loch Ness Monster. In fact, I have virtually no confidence at all in his ability to accomplish even the simplest of tasks. Oh, he knows he's a failure. You can see it in his eyes. You'll catch him sitting there, looking up at the night sky, questioning his very existence. Back to Nate, what you were saying about it's called a a minimum viable population. So you can't just have one Loch Ness monster, right? You've got it. You can't just have two to procreate. In order to keep the gene pool from being so distorted, you've got to have a lot of Loch Ness monsters in there. And some people say up to a hundred is what it would take to sustain a population. And a Loch Ness, a monster like that, would have to come up for air all the time. The lake is not that big, and there's people that have been stationed around it 
for the last 80 years watching it. So those those hundred animals would have to come up for air all the time. How'd you like to make that your life's work? How was work today? I didn't see anything again. <laughs> I know. And in uh, the lake itself, because it's dark, doesn't create enough vegetation to sustain a like a plesiosaur that would weigh you know 20 tons or 10 tons or something. The maximum growth predicted for the amount of organic material that's in the lake is about 700 pounds. So that's about the biggest that an animal or a fish could grow in that lake because of the food source, which is the largest size for like a, a cat, one of those catfish that I'd spoken about. So there's, in the Bible, it talks about a few things that are kind of interesting. It talks about a Leviathan. It's in the book of Job, which is, I think, historically seen as the uh, uh, oldest written book or one of the old first written books of the Bible. But uh, in, in, it calls the, it calls an animal or a fish or something called a leviathan in the ocean. It says that it's a huge sea creature with scales that no spear can pierce. Death awaits anyone who approaches its mouth. And on land, it leaves a trail of rust. In, in the sea, it creates a giant wake. And so creationists use this as a defense of a young earth. And uh, historians will say that it was borrowed from another pagan uh, religious story. Um, like a lot of things, there's in the Bible, there's like a, there's a flood story in other places, in other religions, and similar stories like that. But um, there's also a mention in, in the book of Job of something called a behemoth, yeah. uh, which it describes as a plant-eating animal that cannot be captured and whose tail sways like a cedar tree. Which one of these do you find the most credibility in? Which, like the, the kraken? I, I think that's one. I mean, there could be, there could be a giant squid. I'd like to put back the Kraken. Everybody's wanting to release the Kraken. Let's put it back. He's you tired. Know? It's like uh, some people kick butt and take names, and I just take names. For, I, for the foreseeable future, I'm just taking names and putting back Krakens. And you're waiting. And someday, <laughs> when the time is right. One thing I did see that I thought was really interesting as far as future developments is Loch Ness Monster. What they've done, the next level of study is they've taken... Uh, samples from Loch Ness, and scientists are able to basically harvest the DNA out of those samples and discover all living creatures that have lived, or, or I think are currently living in the in the uh, lake. So they can get separate the genome for all the creatures based on the samples. So if there is something in there that's unknown, they will find that out here in the next couple of years. Just from the science part, without even discovering the animal, they'll know if it's in there or not because of that. Have you heard about the octopus that it could be an alien? No, I haven't. No. So the octopus has really unique DNA compared to all other living things on Earth. And so some scientists or some people think that it could have been uh, landed on a meteor or some of its DNA or something. It could be an alien just because, let's see here, analysis of 12 different tissues reveal, revealed hundreds of octopus-specific genes found in no other animal. And many of them are highly active in structures, such as the brain. There's groupings uh, of, of DNA and genes in an octopus that are in no other animal like that. And so one of the scientists said, it's as if the octopus genome had been put into a blender and mixed. I might have mentioned this before, but do you read any studies or heard anything that there's two animals that may uh, live forever? Of nat you know, if they, they're not going to die of natural causes. One would be the lobster 
And one would be jellyfish. Have you heard that before? I could believe that about, I've never heard that, but I could believe it about jellyfish. I know they live a really long time. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what types of, I know that I've already seen medicine. I don't know. I don't think it's FDA approved, uh, like herbal stuff that's made out of parts of a jellyfish. So I think mm-hmm. they're already testing it to see, you know, if, they can figure out you know why they do live forever it would be well i've been i've been rubbing a jellyfish on my body every day and i've been getting nothing but stings <laughs> so i would recommend against that <laughs> did you pee did you pee on your body well, i was doing that anyway i was thinking about hy- the hydra i read about hydra and the uh, mythology where he cut off its head and it grew two more mm-hmm. and it made me remember of uh do you remember matt when i had the second head on my shoulder Yes, that uh, that big, uh, I don't know what it was, uh, but it started growing hair, started growing a beard. So one night I was going to bed and I looked over and I had like this little mole or dot on my shoulder. And for some reason it itched and I kind of itched at it. And then I just dug into it really deep and I don't know why I kind of just dug this thing out of my skin. Next morning I woke up and I had this big like skin tag second head <laughs> that had grown overnight on my shoulder. <laughs> and so... From thenceforth, throughout high school, I whenever I was at the pool or something, I'd always have to put a towel over that shoulder <laughs> to uh, block the second head. And then when I was an adult, one day I just went to the doctor, and it, it took like 20 minutes. He just shot it and cut it off, and it was painless and gone. And I was like, oh, no way. It was so easy. Did he ask if you wanted it? <laughs> put a little I, baseball hat I had on a it. surgery once, and they asked, they're like, uh, uh, so do you want the, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean do I want I don't know. I'm like, why is this a question? If we're on the subject of sea creatures, I got to bring up the blobfish. To me right there, looking at a blobfish makes me kind of believe in the possibility that there could be things that we haven't found. Because I think that was discovered, Mm. what, in the 40s or 50s? Right. Yeah, they look like uh, Ernest Borgnine or Don Rickles? Don Rickles, that's a good one. Aaron Donnelly. The hardest thing. Probably the hardest thing about being the leader of a school of blobfish would be having to confront a particularly overweight blob about the excessive jiggliness causing a distraction to the other fellas while in formation. One thing I wanted to say, too, about the Loch Ness Monster is my favorite story was in 2016, they were scanning the Loch Ness uh, floor, and they came across, like, the exact silhouette of a Loch Ness Monster lying there on the floor. Like, oh, the size I saw and that. shape and everything. Yeah. yeah. And it turned out it was a sunken prop from a Sherlock Holmes movie in the 1960s. Oh, wow. That they had left on the lake and sunk, and they thought they had struck gold. Oh, and then you it was just, it was, the ones who saw that? Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. But uh, what do you think about the people that spot the Loch Ness monster, but they don't have any pictures of it? I mean, I, I've read some stories where, like, they they saw it on the side of the road somehow, like it right. had jumped out of the lake. Those people are perpetuating the 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 myth and the story because they probably work at the Loch Ness gift shop. Right. <laughs> story going. It's good for tourism. Right. It's uh I think the sightings though of these types of things are going down. Bigfoot sightings and all this. Now that everyone has a camera with them, you'd think that if it was real, there would be an explosion of photos. And in fact it's the opposite. 
there's less photos. Keep, keep right. your Bigfoot thoughts in the uh, in the hopper because I want to do that episode right. sometime. Yeah, not yeah. Bigfoot erotica though. <laughs> Thanks for making me Google that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to look that up. It's almost as bad as Dicks.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Think Funny. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. If you have comments or topics for the guys, you can email them at thinkfunnypodcast at gmail.com. And check out aarondonley.com for today's show notes and much more. That's A-A-R-O-N-D-O-N-L-E-Y dot com.